0: Welcome the Black Friday edition of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese solo with you for the next hour. Donovan Bennett is uh, preoccupied today and he'll be off all next week. He will be in much better climates, I'm assuming. A much deserved week off for Donovan Bennett because he has to deal with me and some of the ridiculous things I said. And we're going to get to some ridiculousness Today, because boy, oh boy, is there some ridiculous uh, before we get to all of that. Uh, Jim Monos is uh, part of the go long show with Tyler Dunn, uh, also former scout and executive in the NFL. He will join me in just a few minutes as we recap what happened yesterday. And frankly, well, one of the games was interesting. The other two, mm, not so much. But we have some news out of Washington uh, just happened Only a few moments ago. um, I'll kind of set the scene for you as to what happened in Washington today. So pretend that I am head coach Ron Rivera and I'm I'm walking into the building, just trudging along in the building and I run into somebody. Hey, what a performance yesterday by the defense. Um, Jack Del Rio. Yeah, Fire. Yeah, goodbye, Jack Del Rio. You're done. I don't think that solves the problem completely because we got to go one step further. Walking down the hallway. Hey, defensive backs coach, Brent Wieselmeyer, you know what? You can be actually no. You're yeah. And there you have it. Ron Rivera does his best Vince McMahon impression and acts Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach, Brent Wieselmeyer. everybody goodbye. Now, is that going to solve the problem in Washington? No, because they still can't protect the quarterback. The players are still the same. They still can't play a lick of defense. And yet here we are. Um, We do want to get to this clip as well. And talking about the craziness from yesterday. This is what I said. This is the stat that I gave Donovan before the show. And even both of us, I can't even say that I believe that this was going to happen again. But here's here's the clip of, of the sound from yesterday, uh, talking about this stat with the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. The Lions are 0-12 on Thanksgiving when the moon is in a waxing gibbous phase. Yeah. Well, guess what? Now they're 0-13 when the moon is in a waxing gibbous phase. I'm not going to explain it again because I'm going to put you to sleep. But please look up what waxing gibbous is. So if if the Lions are playing on Thanksgiving, I mean, generally speaking, we shouldn't bet on the Lions in Thanksgiving anyway. But when the Lions are playing on Thanksgiving, and it's waxing gibbous, you should definitely not. And no, it's not a spa treatment. It's not. It's it's a moon phase. It's right before the full moon happens. Yeah. Oh, and 13. What a disaster that game was. And hey, Jordan Love? Jordan Love looked pretty good. Here's a stat for you. So this was forwarded to me by my pal J.K., Uh, who got it from at Dobbs Clears. All the talk about Jordan Love, all the talk about taking over from Aaron Rodgers, and everybody says, well, Jordan Love sucks. Well, he's looked better lately. Here are Aaron Rodgers' stats through the first 11 games of his career. 2,599 passing yards, 17 TDs, 9 interceptions, 5-6 and record. Surely, Jordan Love has to be well below that. Uh Uh-uh. Jordan Love threw his first 11 games. 2,599 passing yards. The exact same amount. 19 touchdowns, two more than Rodgers. 10 interceptions, one more than Rodgers. And a 5-6 and record. Not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but that's very interesting. And I like interesting on the show. Speaking of interesting, I know a guy who's definitely interested in that stat. Jim Monos. From the Go Long Show with Ty Dunn, as well as former NFL scout and executive. Jim, how are you this morning?
1: I'm great. Good morning.
0: So how do you, what do you think about that stat? You know, we're talking about Jordan Love and the performance he put on yesterday. And, well, Jordan Love can't be that good, and, and he, he won't be that good. And I was very critical of him early on in, in his tenure. Despite, you know, a couple of good games to start the year, he went into a lull. And now, after yesterday's performance, what do you make of Jordan Love now?
1: Jim? Well, when I grade any young quarterback and I consider love a rookie this first year starting, the only thing I seriously look for is signs of life. I look for signs of life from the quarterback. Where are the big boy throws? Who's making them? If you see a couple of those, okay, you get excited. All right. He's got it. He's got something there. Now you need consistency. Now you got rid of a, get rid of the bad decisions forcing the ball love got away with a lot of dropped interceptions this year i thought going into this game he has played he looked like a rookie quarterback learning but every game you see one or two plays almost like going to the driving range or a golf course that last hole you hit a perfect shot keeps you coming back jordan love was doing enough to keep you coming back and yesterday it came together for him so green bay right now is riding high but we know it's a week-to-week league but jordan love is showing signs of life
0: Yeah, he sure is. And that, you know, the one throw specifically, and I mean, that's as tight of a window as it gets in the NFL. Like that's not even NFL tight window. That is, I don't even know what it is. And 99.9% of the time that probably does not get completed, but That's the type of arm talent that we've seen. You know, Jim, when I watch him, and I know this is going to sound, because even Zach Wilson, to an extent, has you know tried to do some things like Aaron Rodgers does because Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. taught him those sidearm throws, the throwing on the run, like all of those things, and you're starting to see a little bit. I'm not saying that Jordan Love is Aaron Rodgers, people, so relax. But you're seeing (laughs) certain things that Aaron Rodgers has taught these guys that they're implementing, and especially Jordan Love, like, I'm telling you, some of the throws that he made yesterday, you talk about the big boy throws, he was really, really impressive. And I think you know those critics, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that you look at him like a rookie because I'm so sick and tired of people saying, well, he sat behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but Jim, and you know this because you've been around the game. If you're not playing, it's really hard to just be thrown into the fire and be great.
1: The worst thing people can assume from a backup quarterback is that he's Just because he hasn't played and he knows the offense, to your point, it isn't even close. Until you get out there. Zach Wilson, we can always go back to Zach Wilson to his pro day at BYU, which I hate pro days. But how many people hyped up that one throw that everybody can make in the NFL, that Zach Wilson made it his pro day? And people are going crazy about it. That's not football. Football is getting out there against teams that are preparing for you, specifically your offense game planning to stop you, they've never faced that. College quarterbacks have never faced what NFL coordinators can come up with. And that's why you see – like, go, go to any young quarterback. We can talk to any young quarterback you want to today. And just use that signs of life and who's making the big boy throws. And I'm telling you, that'll steer you towards who's going to make it. Look at Anthony Richardson before he got hurt with the Colts. Yeah. He showed signs of life. Would mm-hmm. you agree? Yeah, for sure. D.J. Stroud, right out of the gate, signs of life. Guess who hasn't shown signs of life? Bryce, Bryce Young. Yep. There you go. So anyway, that was my. That's kind of how I judge these young guys.
0: Well, the the Bryce Young thing is is fascinating. But on a, on it's a on, yeah, it really is. And I mean, while while we're here, um, the Bryce Young thing to me is. combination of multiple things it's one the offensive line isn't good enough and god knows when you don't have a good offensive line i mean look no further than david carr who was first overall pick got sacked more than anybody for the longest time and he never was able to develop and he got a little gun shy and you know bryce young doesn't really have weapons around him I mean Adam Thielen is good but he's not Adam Thielen of five years ago good but not great and the other guys forget it and you know the the thing honestly Jim the thing that pisses me off the most about how they're dealing with Bryce Young is the coordinator well it's let's face it it's Frank Reich and I'm surprised they're not (laughs) doing him any favors like, the play calling is so vanilla. They don't do any checks at the line. They don't, you know, get a guy in motion and move guys around and just give him a hope, and they haven't done that. And to me, that's a really, really big problem with Bryce Young's development right now is he's just not getting any help from anybody.
1: Couldn't agree more. I I am treating him like Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer. Yeah, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not judging him. It's not fair. What Frank Reich has done, he's... First of all, they have 500 coaches. They have a, Josh McCown is an assistant head coach. You have Deuce Staley, who's an assistant head coach. Then you have an offensive coordinator. Like who is in charge? Who is coming up with the game plan? Who's calling the plays? How are you grooming this young quarterback that you put your whole franchise invested in? And you're just, you're joking. You're jerking around coordinators. And the reason I'm a little pissed too, I got to be, you know, very transparent. These, these, Three six pick sixes that Bryce Young throws every game like it's common. That cost me a lot of money gambling. <laughs> so I'm a little bitter. Yeah, I'm no a kidding. Bit I'd be too. But let's just go to the personnel part of it. He He needs – he's not getting the help he needs, and I don't want to judge him completely. He needs a real coach in there that's going to get him organized. And I agree with you. Their weapons are terrible. Their offensive line stinks. I mean – I, I told Tyler Dunn on our podcast, I said, they're not even a real football team to me on the offensive side of the ball. They yeah. actually played decent on defense. Yeah, I, I total, kept totally agree. They should have kept Steve Wilkes They had the right guy in the building. That team played so hard for Steve Wilkes last year at the end of the season. I just thought I just thought that was the time to keep him.
0: Well, let's face it. Teams always look for the big name and that's not always the answer. Look no further than the Raiders and, and what they've done. And they had Rich Basaccia in the building and guess what? They played hard under Rich Passaccia and they, they didn't give him a chance because it was going to be Josh McDaniels team. Um, there's lots of, there's lots of people that make those bad decisions. That's why I'm really curious to see what the commanders do because, you know, with the news today of Jack Del Rio and, and Brent Wieselmeyer getting let go, um, Listen, I like Ron Rivera, and Ron Rivera is well, very well liked in the building. But let's face it, uh, Ron Rivera is not the future coach of this team. So let Eric Bieniemy run the squad and, and see how that goes.
1: I, firing Jack Del Rio is about as laughable as it gets. I mean, come on. I'm not saying he deserves to be the coach of that, the coordinator. But at this point, you're trying to, uh, that's a burning house. And you basically just threw a cup by firing him. That's just like throwing a cup of water on that fire. I mean, come on, that's not doing anything. Firing Jack Del Rio. No, you're next, Ron. And I like Ron Rivera. I worked with Ron. I have a lot of respect for him. But the only thing I'm going to say about him, check his record without Cam Newton.
0: Yeah, Cam, Cam, Cam Newton Ron and Newton. and Greg Olson and Thomas Davis and Luke Kuechly a, a, and yeah, a pretty
1: loaded team. Yeah, yes, yeah. To your point. Kind kind of good. Don McDermott. When we interviewed Sean McDermott for the job, what me whaling the pool was, Ron Rivera was instrumental in that phone call. I mean, we talked to Ron at length about Sean McDermott. Mm -hmm. And he was very complimentary. So, I mean, you know, I like, like I said, respect Ron. Been there, done it. He's done it. Man, I just, these coaches, I I question sometimes when they get away from their quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, how, yeah, what that looks like. How good they are. How good they are, yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: I I don't know if you feel this way, but I always say Andy Reid to me, you could put him anybody. He wins with AJ Feely. He wins with Michael Vick out of jail. He wins with Alex Smith. He wins with any quarterback. And then you give him the homes or Donovan McNabb. He's going to get you the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's
0: true. And it's that, that simple. And, that, and that's why and that's why and I've been beating this drum all season. I think that Mike Tomlin's the best head coach in the NFL.
1: He I wins with even nobody. Put you on that? One hundred percent. You know, because playing with a backup quarterback right now. You want to talk about guys who have no signs of life. I haven't seen signs of life from Pickett yet. No, and so, you, you know what I my favorite. Pa- any signs of life?
0: You know what my favorite part? I. I- Tweeted out the stat last night. Deron Bland has one uh, less pick six than, you, Kenny Pickett, than Kenny Pickett. Then Kenny Pickett has that. passing touchdowns. <laughs> like to me, and and you know, and that's why I've been I, I've been very. And we're kind of going all over the place, but I love this conversation. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I it's okay. While, so it's, I okay know. Here. I know. We got a lot to catch up on. Um, yeah. it, you know, the the Matt Canada thing to me is fascinating because I'm very hard on Matt Canada. But when we look at Matt Canada and the quarterbacks that he's had, he had a broken Ben Rothley. Burger. he's had a little bit of Mason Rudolph uh, I believe Duck Hodges was there when Matt Canada was there as well um, he's also had Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett so how much of of what Matt Canada has been able to do is because he hasn't had quality at quarterback because I I always bring this up and people are going to get sick of me for saying this the best quarterback in Kenny Pickett's class was not Kenny Pickett. It was always Sam Howell. Sam Howell just had a horrible offensive line at UNC and his draft stock dropped because he was under duress all the time, which I guess prepared him for playing for the Washington Commanders. But <laughs> he um, didn't he had a but, but that's like when, how we because people that are just kind of fairweather fans, they'll look at it and say, oh, well, the offensive coordinator sucks. And so whatever, but sometimes it's a combination of both. And while, yes, I am critical of Matt Canada because, you know, let's just keep running Najee Harrison to the ground. When Jalen Warren looks oh. fantastic. Some of hate- that is Mike Tomlin being stubborn, but also they don't have a quarterback. So how good can you be? How creative can you be as a coordinator? If you don't have the pieces.
1: You just, first of all, you should be Matt Canada's agent if he doesn't have a good one because <laughs> you just did what an agent's job is to do and you made great points. So you're, you're right. You defended him perfectly. That is how Canada will get another job. That is going to be his line of defense because that's every question. They're going you know, he's just going to say, look who I had in the next interview. And people will be like, yeah, hey, he didn't have anything. Now that goes to the Steelers' front office. Have they transitioned well? From GM Kevin Colbert to Omar Khan. Sure. Because I don't feel like they have. I'm seeing, I don't see a ton of talent on that team right now. And your point, why are they running Najee Harris? Guy, They missed. Because they, they, they paid a first-round pick for him. That's why. And, 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 and Sean, Payton, Sean Payton, when I worked for the Saints, he always told us, I don't care what round they get drafted in. If they can't play two weeks in, I'm cutting them. Like, And yeah. he did it. He almost cut Marcus Colston our first year in 2006. Seventh-round pick, he almost got rid of him in, before training camp. Well, thankfully he didn't. So, <laughs> so that's what, there's the point. You, you, you give guys time, but Najee Harris has had enough time. The guy is a diamond dozen running back. He runs hard. He's a big back who runs hard. You can find him anywhere. They missed. They missed on Pickett. Those are first-round picks. Yeah yeah they we pick it to backup. I haven't seen signs of life yet. yeah,
0: we do well that's it's a, it's an ongoing problem. Let's face it. I mean, there are as good as some of the great quarterbacks are there are a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL and- and one and one guy that one guy that I never had him in the great category but the way he started this season the way he played at the end of last season was certainly trending towards at least moving into the conversation of one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL not in the top 5 but I could I could make the case for him to be you know 7 or 8 and that was Jared Goff and now he's got six turnovers in his last two games the Lions are one and one against their division in those games and yesterday's game Jim you know, the Packers were banged up in that one. No Devondre Campbell, no Jair Alexander. They traded away Rasul Douglas. Their secondary is banged up. Oh, by the way, no Aaron Jones, uh, no Dontavian Wicks, no Luke Musgrave. And I'm like, okay, this this has all the makings of the Lions at home, and it's a beatdown. And I was wrong, because Jared Goff couldn't take care of the football and then dan campbell straight away from what has worked and then they go for it on fourth and five on a fake punt that nobody in the building was fooled by
1: nobody i mean they if you watch that play the the whole defense they they were ready for it the whole defense reacted to it they were ready for the actual play i'm like the lions aren't close today they didn't look prepared and on a short week you you hit every check you know check mark check mark how do you not win with Aaron Jones on in the game? And then they don't even show up at home on a short home teams have such an advantage on these short weeks and for them not to even show up and just melt down. And that's just, that's concerning to me. And then to go to your point on golf, honestly, Matt, I think golf's issue from the time I scouted him from college to now is the two things always show up. He can't move and he turns the ball over because of that. I feel like, yeah, he is beautiful throwing the football when it's pretty. I always call him, I always compare him to Greg Maddox, pitcher for the Braves. Like, he can put the ball where you want it. Might might not have the biggest arm, blah, 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 but he can place it. But then the turnover, these turnovers are, you can't win like that. How's he going to go into Philly or San Fran and win outside? Oh, he's no not. Way.
0: He's not, because we know not. we know the success he's had in the Dome. Um, That's been the calling card for Jared Goff in his career. Is when he plays in a dome, he's as good as anybody.
1: He's he's as good as anybody. Yeah,
0: and the concern, you know, the concern for me is you talk about the home team having the advantage. That's back to back home games on the short week. Back to back. There's no excuses.
1: No, and home maybe um maybe it is outdated now. Maybe home field is officially done. I don't know how you feel about that. I'm starting to think it might be done, but. Seattle used to be a place we went. The way San Fran destroyed them yesterday, and I say destroyed. If you watch that game, they handled them from start to finish.
0: They did what they wanted.
1: Seattle team, they did what they wanted, and obviously, that's a. I think San Fran. uh, You know, we can talk about them too, but that's the most loaded team in the NFL, and they showed it. They showed it yesterday to go to Seattle and dominate. That's hard to do.
0: Well let's let's stick on let's stick on that game there because you know I'm I'm watching that game and. The the one thing about San Francisco is we know they don't pay the quarterback a lot of money so you can load up in other places and that's obviously a huge benefit. Somebody, uh, one of my buddies posted something and it was a really fascinating look at the differences between a Kyle Shanahan offense and a Matt LaFleur offense. And it's how, you know, basically if you are a quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense and you can read the run defense and you can read the coverages, you're okay because the play is sent to you and you got to make the throw. That's it. That's your job. You don't have to read coverages because basically Kyle Shanahan is drawing up the perfect play. Whereas in Matt LaFleur's offense, he's, your quarterback's going to the line. He's checking. He's checking the coverages. Like He's doing a lot of work. There's a lot of work for a young quarterback. Whereas Brock Purdy has really made things look easy. But a lot of it is Kyle Shanahan and the way that he does work. Now, here's the other thing. He gets the to throw too. Debo Samuel and George Kittle (laughs) and Brandon Iuke and hey, even Jawan Johnson looked good yesterday and Christian McCaffrey's in the backfield. The thing for me that makes San Francisco so dangerous, the defense is an entirely different thing because now with Chase Young, they look incredible. They look like the defense we saw at the beginning of the year. But the thing for me is we saw it yesterday. Brandon Iuke had two catches for 50 yards. The second one was a wonderful touchdown. Thanks for my fantasy team. But Debo Samuel... Was the guy that beat them in every facet yesterday, and Christian McCaffrey in part two. So it's almost as if they go, "Oh, you want to take away Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle? Sure, we'll just beat you with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey." Oh, Tampa Bay, you want to take away uh, Christian McCaffrey in the run game, twenty carries for seventy yards, whatever it was? Oh, no problem, we'll just beat you with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. That's the part that makes them most scary for me is that the defense is going to be the defense. But if you want to play a certain style, if you want to take a guy away, it doesn't matter because they've got three other ones.
1: No, you just said it. The headache, you're preparing for San Fran, and the last guy you're even talking about is the quarterback. Yeah. And that's scary because if this is maybe the best offense in the NFL. You can make an argument that McCaffrey could be MVP. You can make the same argument for Brock Purdy. They, they are tip, Purdy is playing at MVP level. I'm done with the – I've watched him enough. He is he is not just a system quarterback. He is making – they're asking him to make there, – there are guys wide open, to your point. There's no better offense, in my opinion, than Shanahan's offense with the run and pass. Everybody's open. They can run the ball. They can gash you. But then you see these man-to-man throws that Purdy makes. He's putting it on them. He's, these guys are able to Debo. He can run after the catch because of accurate throws. That's huge for Debo's game. So – I don't see a weakness in San Fran. I'm with you. It's a loaded team. Must be nice. The funny thing I always talk about with, you know, I always say to people, you too can be a general manager in the NFL if you'd like to be. Um, the Baltimore Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst before Lamar Jackson. The yep. 49ers drafted <laughs> Trey Lance before Brock Purdy. So you too can be an NFL GM. Sometimes luck is on your side.
0: Don't tell me that, Jim. I might have to quit my job. Um,
1: <laughs> do it. You can do it. I promise you. you. Hey, look. Hey, you know the history. I mean, we all make mistakes in, in sure. game in industry. So
0: yeah. If you don't, if you don't, you're not learning anything either. Um, on the flip side of that game last night was the Seahawks. And listen, I thought uh, Devin Witherspoon has been fantastic, but generally speaking, there was no pushback either on offense or on defense. And, you know, I know Pete Carroll said and Geno Smith said that there were no limitations, but let's face it, Geno Smith coming off the short week, he, he he was hurt enough to miss time in that previous game, which means to me, he's banged up on the short week. They don't have Kenneth Walker, although Zach Charbonnet looked fine. Um, DK Metcalf has really struggled. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba looks like he's going to be a real, he's incredible. We all know that. But what do you make of the Seahawks? They're six and five. They've got a really tough schedule coming up. And even at six and four, I know they were on a winning streak and everybody was so high on them or maybe not so high on them. But I just look at them and I say, "Mm, okay, they look like a lot of other teams in the NFL, which to me is, well, there's a lot of mediocre teams in the NFL that some weeks they're good, some weeks are bad. Um, Am I accurate in my assessment of the Seahawks that they're just another team?
1: Yeah, you don't need me to say much more. We talked about this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. when they were hot, the Seattle was hot, and I said I just can't get into Seattle. I I respect Gino. I respect respect him. I don't want it to come across that he's the issue, but I'm a believer that he can't get you over the top. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I just think you're at a limit. Your ceiling is eight and eight with Gino, nine and eight. I should say seventeen games. Um, but that's your ceiling, I think, with Gino. I just don't see you get into that. 11, 12, like, we are ready to make a run at the Super Bowl. I think you're fighting to get in the playoffs with Gino.
0: Yeah, and the defense and the running game is only going to carry you so far. Um, I thought...
1: 100%, and they have that, and, they, and they're tough, and they have that. They're, right before that game last night, you know, you're like, you know, this one's going to be fun to watch because you knew both teams were just physical, well-coached, and it was. Yeah, and then,
0: and then the Niners happened. And then they just said, "No, nah, well, we'll we'll just we'll just take this into our control, and this will be fine." Um, it's
1: Kittle and you, we didn't even talk about Kittle. Like we didn't even bring him up. Like, yeah, it's Kittle. It's every single play, it's it's, weapon after weapon. Yeah, and it,
0: that's what I'm saying. Like to prepare for that, that must be a nightmare for opposing mm-hmm. defensive coordinators. Because I, I certainly don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather like, you just miss the week. I'm no. sick this week, guys. You do it.
1: Um, and what you just said is how I used to talk about an offensive player or a defensive player. Will the other team's coordinator worry about him? Will he have to game plan for that player? Yeah. <laughs> for the 49ers, your game plan for about four guys and good luck. Um, good luck.
0: So, uh, before a couple more, before we let you go here, um, Sam I'm I'll get into the Cowboys thing but you know the Sam Howell situation is very fascinating to me I've already waxed poetic about how good I think Sam Howell is but Washington's in kind of an interesting spot here because yes they're not paying Sam Howell a lot of money but you could also get a, a nice return on your fifth round pick investment especially if the commanders are going to be as bad as we think they are they're going to tumble down the standings they have a tough schedule going forward like they could be in the I don't want they're not in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes but maybe the Drake May sweepstakes and that might be somebody that is intriguing for whoever the next head coach is when you look at Sam Howell is it easy for you to assess him because of the numbers that he's put up and when and when you watch him or do you say like I still don't know how good he can be because it feels like every snap he's gonna get sacked and maybe that's a credit to him that he doesn't get sacked every snap, but you know, he's also making some really good throws that I don't think a lot of people thought he might've had in his arsenal at the NFL level.
1: So where I'm at with Sam, is is we're going to treat him like a rookie, correct? Like we talked about earlier. Yep. I'm not seeing a ton of the big boy throws. I'm not seeing a ton of the playmaking on his end. Then you look at the offense as a whole, they're 23rd in points per play. They're 15th in yards per play. That is bad. That's backup QB type stat status for their offense. Now, that being said, Sam Howe has done nothing but be tough. He doesn't say a word, and he makes every throw that they're asking him to make. But they're just not stretching the field enough with him. He's not showing ability to just make plays on his own, which you have to do against what he's going through with the pressure. So I don't want to make an excuse. I don't want to say he, he can't be the starter. Cause he certainly showed signs of knowing the offense and leading the team and putting up numbers, but you got to study those numbers. And when you see 23rd on points per play, that means they're putting up some fake stats. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I this, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm not trying to say he can't do it, but I do. I do. I have concerns with him as your starter. That's yeah. what I would say. Look
0: yeah. There, there are, there's a lot of garbage time in there for sure, because that defense uh, as witnessed by the firing of Jack Del Rio um, has been <laughs> know, not very I mean, good. Come on.
1: And, and for him to, it's good. Look, the new ownership, we went through this when the Pagulas took over. When new ownership comes in, like Washington has, everything's up, everything's on the table. And for them to make those moves with the defensive ends, Sweat and Young, I was questioning who's in charge in Washington. Like for to have new ownership and to get rid of some guys who are making some money, like those defensive ends that they invested in, somebody's making that decision that's getting approved. So the owners might be okay with the GM, Mayhew. I don't know. But I think Ron Rivera and that coaching staff are done. And I do think they need to really consider who they want to be their franchise quarterback. At least somebody has seriously challenged Sam Howell.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay, the the, the Dallas Cowboys, um, listen, that was... It's hard for and I don't want to say it's hard for me to judge the Cowboys because I think they've been really good the majority of the year and the offense is really starting to take flight here they're finally pushing the ball downfield they're really getting the most out of C. D. Lamb although they really haven't had to the last couple of weeks as noticed by you know other guys kind of taking over like Brandon Cooks has been really good Tony Pollard starting to find his legs How do you look at the Cowboys? Like the defense obviously puts them in really good spots and Deron Bland sets the NFL record for most pick sixes in a season, which to me is still ridiculous because he has more time left to to break his own record here. But I look at them and I say the defense is as elite as they come in the NFL. We understand that. Is the offense and the way Dak Prescott has been playing – are they good enough? Because there's a lot of inflated stats in there too. Like they played the Giants, the Giants suck. They played the Commanders, their defense sucks. Like there's a lot in baked into that pie. But I, then I can say, well, he looked pretty good against the Eagles as well. And he's not turning the ball over. Like how do you look at Dallas as a Super Bowl contender right now?
1: I look at them as a Super Bowl contender. I think they are in the mix. Um, I don't think that I agree with you. There are some fake stats to that offense right now because of who they've played. But I'm not going to take that away because I think we have enough history with these players and offense to know they are good. Love the offensive line. I like what's getting me right now with Dallas. I feel like Pollard is finally finding more of a role with them. Um, they need to get him more involved somehow. He seemed to be – when they had him and Zeke, those two were – I thought that combo was deadly. And obviously, everybody thought Pollard was the better one because he's a home run hitter. But I'm not seeing that now. I thought that would be the way they're using Lamb, getting him involved. He's proven to be a number one. I mean, his consistency with him was always the issue. But if they get Pollard like this, the defense obviously has a star in, in Micah Parsons. And Bland, I, don't, I mean, a fifth-round pick making plays like that, that's unheard of. Like, what he's doing is unheard of. So, but they draft well. Like, Dallas always drafts well. I, I'm a big believer. I, they're one of my favorite teams who draft. Like, their guys are homegrown. Zach Martin, Dak. They drafted these guys. Um, Bland, um, Micah Pars. Like, these guys Trevon I Trevon Diggs. Diggs. Go yeah. through it. Keep Their team, they draft really well there. So, I, I root for teams that build through the draft like that and, and hit. And So, they're an easy team for me to root for and watch. I just think 49ers and Eagles are better teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, uh, I think they're going to have a tough time beating him, but that's not saying that. I don't know. I don't like that to be a negative, you know, it's like the old Charles Barkley thing. Like you're going to run into a wall at some point maybe, and it's not your fault. And that's how I feel about Dak sometimes.
0: Yeah. I I, I totally agree. You almost, part of it is like the, the car crash thing. You're almost waiting for something to happen sometimes, but I feel that
1: way. That's a good way to say it. yeah. Yeah.
0: And well, if I'm being honest, I hope it happens against the Buffalo Bills just a thought just a thought
1: <laughs> i was waiting i was waiting for some bills stuff yeah
0: you that. know okay okay I'll, no. I'll ask you i'll ask you a bills question no. um because that when i in the next block that's going to be the the second game that i preview because i unfortunately i have to talk about this jets and uh dolphins game yeah, that's going to happen about later that today. One too.
1: yeah whatever you want
0: <laughs> let's let's do the bills here you saw what happened um with joe brady at the helm it's hard to evaluate an offensive coordinator after he just comes in, I know he's been with the offense, whatever, but what did you take away from Joe Brady's first game as the play caller? And what did you like? What didn't you like? And and is there room for optimism here? Because let's, let's not forget this offense still has a lot of talent.
1: So I never saw the offense as an issue and I don't get too heavy involved in X and O stuff. Um, I, I, but I do understand that they felt in the building that a change needed to be made. And that comes from the head coach. I think this change was more about just the attitude and style of the offense. I, I think he just wanted to bring somebody in that had a fresh view, of what, a fresh plays to call, something to get this thing sparked again. And that's what Brady did. I don't know if, to me, the way they're running the ball with Cook, that's awesome. Like, to have Cook be, become that type of weapon, now you, now you just added another guy that the defense is worried about. And that is huge for Josh Allen because Diggs and Kincaid, are as good as you could want as a one-two punch. I really believe – I love their offense. I love their skill set. Gabe Davis never developed like I thought he would, but he's still good. So I, I don't have issues with their offense. And to me, Joe Brady is just keeping it going like what they had going. Keep it, just keep it going. Get those points. Score in the first half more. I always thought the Bills were the best when they dominated the first half. Yeah, and That yeah. was two years ago. They just come out. They get, they get up 10. They get up 14 now you're in trouble
0: yeah and then you let the defense go do work
1: uh listen jim let the defense work
0: yeah you've been so gracious with your time as always i greatly appreciate it it's nice to chat with you again and uh let's do this soon okay
1: talk soon thanks man have a great weekend
0: you too there he goes jim monos from the go long show with tyler dunn and former nfl scout and executive we're heavy on time we got to take a break when we come back uh the dolphins the jets the black friday game I don't know how much I'm looking forward to it, but we'll talk about it. We'll also talk about the bills and the Eagles because that's way more exciting. All that and more. The fan checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marquez will be back in a few.
1: Everything Raptors, before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the fan check down the Sportsnet radio network. Matt Marchese here with you solo Donovan Bennett. will be back not next Monday, but the following Monday busy, man. You know what else is busy? This not this weekend in football, which I love three games yesterday. There's another one today. And I don't have to watch, well, I probably still will watch four screens, but I don't necessarily have to watch four screens on Sunday. And people are like, oh, what was you? You get to watch four? Yeah, okay. It's, it's a tough life, man. But I dig it. And, of course, the game that we get to sit through today is the Jets hosting the Dolphins. Dolphins favored by 9.5 in this one. The total is 40.5 and a half, and. If last week wasn't the end of the season for the New York Jets, this week certainly has to be, right? Like, if they lose this one, we're we're you know pouring the last little bit of dirt on their grave, right, for this season? Has to be. And to that point, then we probably don't see Aaron Rodgers in this miraculous comeback. Still not sure if it was an Achilles tear. I'm no doctor, but I really struggle with that one. Anywho, um, Tim Boyle gets the start. And he is tasked with trying to keep up with one of the best offenses, at least one of the most well-run offenses in the NFL. And maybe Tim Boyle surprises us. I mean, I doubt it. I would be really surprised if Tim Boyle surprised us and suddenly became a good quarterback. But can it be any worse than Zach Wilson at this point? Like, that's a, that's a, that's a very tall task to be worse than Zach Wilson. But... It's not as if the offensive line got better overnight. The offensive line's horrible. It's going to be the defense that is going to have to try and keep this Dolphins team in check. And maybe they learned a couple of things from the Buffalo Bills earlier this year, or the Philadelphia Eagles, or the Kansas City Chiefs, or even last week, even though the Raiders lost the game, Miami only scored 20 points. And the Raiders played them physically. And that was the big difference. So it's going to be really curious to see. Because if you start throwing different looks and different coverages. And and maybe having, you know, weird stuff like, you know, linemen dropping back. Just to at least cause a ruckus in the middle of the field. Having your linebackers you know, maybe show blitz, but as Tyree kills coming across the field or Jalen Waddle, maybe you give him a little bump, like play them physically, throw different looks at Tua because the reason why this, the biggest reason why this offense has had so much success this year is Tua has been able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And when he hasn't been able to do that, he does not react well to moving outside of the pocket. That's very well documented. He's not the most, he's, He's not the least mobile quarterback in the world, but he's not the most mobile either. And it's when you can force him to hold on to the ball for that extra half second that he's really had trouble. Look no further than the Bills game earlier this year. Now, keeping on the Miami Dolphins page for a second here. Tyree kill: MVP conversation. He's on pays for 2077 yards. And in my estimation not an NFL record because he's going to do it in 17 games, but 15 touchdowns as well. I mean, it may be one of, if not the greatest seasons that we've ever seen from a wide receiver. He's averaging 122 receiving yards a game. Like that's insanity. And this year, the MVP conversation is going to be one where there is a legitimate shot that it's not a quarterback that wins it. And generally speaking, it's been a quarterback award. But the guys that you expect, and we talked about it on the show, Donovan and I, the guys that you expect to be in that conversation, Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, not there. Even Lamar Jackson to an extent. They're not there. Burrow's obviously hurt. Hurts has had his turnover issues. Patrick Mahomes has not been anywhere near the player that we've seen. That's not all his fault. Josh Allen's had his struggles. I mean, the door is wide open here for one of those kind of, let's call them weird winners. And it may be the year that a wide receiver like Tyree Kill wins the MVP. Now, if he breaks the record with an asterisk, that's fine. Uh, Bills and Eagles. This one in Philadelphia, the Eagles favored by three points. The total is 48 and a half. This is a much bigger game for the Buffalo Bills than it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Even though the Eagles want to, you know, maintain a lead in the NFC, go to 10 and one and everybody's happy, kumbaya. But this is a massive one for the Bills. Because if you could get a road victory here, you at least maintain some sort of pace with the Miami Dolphins and you probably move into a playoff spot with a win. Something that I didn't think we would have to say about the Bills by this point in the season, and yet here we are. The big questions are going to be, can the offense keep up? Are they going to be able to take advantage of the Eagles who at points this season have had their issues? And if you can do that, can your defense play well enough to stop the Philadelphia offense? Can you keep A.J. Brown in check? Can you keep DeAndre Swift in check? And if you do that, can you limit the damage by Devonta Smith? That's kind of where you're at right now. I think the biggest question out of this game is not necessarily from the Bills' point of view because I think a lot of people are just expecting that they're going to lose this game. But is it... Do we learn anything else about the Eagles if they win this? It kind of just feels like... They're all about staying healthy down the stretch. Yes, it is a tough schedule and they're going to need to win games. You can't just lose games. I get that. But are we going to learn anything else about the Eagles here? Are they just what they are? The defense has been good, but certainly not as great as last year. The offense started out really slow, has gotten better, and then... I don't want to say they went into a lull, but they certainly weren't as elite as they were last year. And maybe that speaks to the schedule because they were coming off of, you know, a year where they had one of the best records in football, won the division. Yes, you're going to get a tougher schedule. But are the Eagles nine and one because the rest of their schedule hasn't been, because some of the teams that they were playing, you know, we expected to be better and they aren't kind of look no further than that Chiefs game. Did they play well? Yes. But at times it felt like the Chiefs were playing with their food and the food ran away. Two red zone turnovers. Well, that's not good. So be curious to see what else we can learn about this Eagles team. Like if they go to 10 and one, I don't think anybody's, nobody's going to bat an eye at that. But my question is are they are they as good as their record shows? I guess we'll find out. There's been they've been a little fortunate. Look at the games against Washington where they had to kind of pull those out of an orifice that I cannot speak about on the air. But they've had moments where they've also looked dominant. Maybe that's just the story about the NFL season really this year. Some teams that are really good, some teams that are really bad, and a lot of teams that are really in the middle. Jaguars at Texans, the Jags favored by minus one and a half in this one. The total is 47 and a half. Now, let's not forget here that CJ Stroud and company went into Jacksonville earlier this season and laid a beatdown 37 17 on the road. And that really felt like kind of the beginning Of this CJ Stroud March. And yes, talked about the MVP thing a couple weeks ago. Everybody's on the MVP bandwagon now. Everybody wants to talk about CJ Stroud for MVP. Sure. Let's do it. He goes out and has another game like he did, you know, not last week he had three turnovers, but still threw for over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns and he drove his team down the field again when it mattered. That's a sign of a great quarterback. Can he, a win here puts them right with the Jags for the division lead, ladies and gentlemen. Do you ever think you'd have that conversation this early in the CJ Stroud era? Some people after preseason were saying CJ Stroud was going to be a bust, wasn't good enough. The S2 cognition test proved right. C.J. Stroud is not a good quarterback. Well, C.J. Stroud looks pretty good to me. And for the Jags, the other side of the ball here, coming off a very convincing win over the Titans, and, well, it's still the Titans, and they're not very good. But maybe they got something going here. Calvin Ridley finally... Seven catches, 103 yards, two touchdowns. The offense moved the ball. Again, Titans aren't very good. But the Jags, they need that. Like, they need to get Calvin Ridley going here if they want to have any sort of success. Because teams are really starting to hone in on Travis Etienne, really starting to commit to stopping the run and saying, you know, Trevor Lawrence beat us. There's going to be games where Trevor Lawrence is going to have to beat guys. And this is a big one for Trevor Lawrence. This team got embarrassed by the Houston Texans earlier in the year, as we mentioned. So he needs to step up because, let's face it, there's a big contract awaiting Trevor Lawrence in the coming months. He's eligible for that massive extension, and he's going to get it. The question remains, is he going to be worth it? Like, do we believe that Trevor Lawrence can get into that tier of elite quarterbacks? The Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. I really have my doubts about that. I'm not sure that the love child of Carmela Soprano and Furio Junta, shout out Sopranos fans, is going to to be able to get into that elite tier. I know all the talk when he was drafted was, this is the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Well, Andrew Luck was a lot better. A lot better. And right away, this is a big one here for the Texans and especially for the Jags and Trevor Lawrence. All right, one more before we get out of here. Ravens at chargers Ravens favored by minus three and a half. The total is 48. This really could be the final nail in Brandon Staley's coffin here. If they lose this one at home and I know they're not the favorite. But they're four and six. Their defense has been really bad under Brandon Staley and another poor performance. And last week, it wasn't the defense. I understand that, but they're still not very good. For all that money that they spend, should probably be a lot better. But another poor performance, a pissed-off press conference, that could turn the temperature from on a light boil to, man, you better turn the temperature down because it's getting hot in here. Like Nelly hot in here. We're also going to see what the Ravens are made of in this one. No Mark Andrews. Is it Isaiah Likely that steps up in that spot? Is it Charlie Kolar who steps up in that spot? Do we see more involvement from Zay Flowers, who did miss practice yesterday? Uh, Do they turn to the running game to try and grind out games and go back to that MO that they've had for so many years? Do we see more of Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell and Justice Hill? and Is that the route that they go? We'll see. Certainly, there is an opportunity to pass on this Chargers defense they have the worst pass defense in the nfl in terms of yards per game and while the run defense has been much improved over the course of the year they've slipped in their season average you know they're like averaging 30 more yards per game on the ground than they had given up over the course of the season in the last three games it's a tough test for the chargers and if they lose again and in convincing fashion boy oh boy Are we going to have some conversations on Monday about Brandon Staley? All right, let's get to our best bets before we wrap things up for the week. I'm going to take the Ravens minus three and a half because God knows I do not trust the chargers. They will charger it up at home. I'm also taking the Texans plus one and a half. Here's another one. I will go Texans outright against the Jags at home. CJ Stroud puts on a show to improve that MVP conversation and candidacy. That's it for us this week on the fan Checkdown. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Andrew behind the glass. I'll be back here on Monday. Hope you have a wonderful weekend of watching NFL football. We'll chat with you then.